0: Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. You know, the message that you're about to hear, I pray not only just inspires you, but it encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, I bet there are some people in your life right now who you're thinking of that you know would benefit from such a timely message. Man, share it with them. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, I encourage you, hit that subscribe button. Stay tapped into all that God is doing here at CF. And lastly, I want to take this time right now to really thank those of you who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside of these four walls if it weren't for you, our friends, who come alongside us in prayer and support us financially. Listen, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your generosity. And we want to simply say thank you to continue, or maybe to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can very simply go to our website and visit cfmiami.org give. Church family, I hope you're blessed by this. Enjoy the sermon.
1: Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let heaven and nature sing, let heaven and nature sing let heaven and nature worship the king of kings and lord of lords let heaven and nature bring the all the adoration to the almighty god jesus christ is alive and he is active he is with us he will sustain us how many of you believe that today come on at all of our campuses give jesus a shout of praise amen praise god what an amazing time of worship and I want to welcome all the first-time guests if you're joining us online or you're at one of our campuses. My name is Carlos and I serve as the executive pastor here. And I want to take a moment and welcome our West Kendall campus, Doral, Coral Gables downtown, and our Redland campus as well. Uh, Can we give it up for all the first-time guests and every campus that's tuning in today? Well, we started this uh, Christmas series that we've been looking at uh, Christmas carols and learning some of the uh, theological implications of the Christmas carol. And today, we sang Joy to the World. But if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke chapter two, verse 10. Luke chapter two, verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. So it great be great joy. Great joy. Say it like you mean it, great joy. Great joy. There will be for all the people For unto you is born this day, and the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now let's go to Psalm 98, and this is where the writer Isaac Waltz, who composed Joy to the World, he got his inspiration from Psalm 98. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into a joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre and the sound of melody with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful, say me mean, joyful. Joyful. Joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Amen. You believe that today? Amen. You can have a seat now at all of our campuses. You know, Christmas Day is eight days away, and I wanted to ask you a couple questions, and I need some crowd participation at all of our campuses, okay? How many of you are done, completely done, with all your Christmas shopping. Make some noise. All right, overachievers. Some of you finished before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Thank you, Amazon. How many of you are like, I'm halfway done? You know, 50%, 60%. Make some noise. All right. How many of you haven't even started? Oh, Wow. We need to pray for (laughs) y'all. If you order something on Amazon, that package, Is not going to arrive on time. It's in the Lord's hands, okay? So you're in trouble. But, you know, I love the Christmas season, and as a father of three children, uh, Noah, Nathan, and Everly, I love to give uh, presents or Christmas gifts to my children. And last year, we gave them a gift that was very unique, and we gave them a a little dog, a puppy dog, named uh, named Maverick, who was a Labrador, right? Beautiful, beautiful dog. Now, I want to share this. Unfortunately, we had to bless him to, to another family because we moved to another home and it's not completely, the fence is not completely done, so we had to do it. So don't judge me, all right? Don't send me any bad emails or anything like that. I love dogs, I promise. But anyways, Maverick was such an incredible, cute dog and very energetic, very wild, and he loved to run and he loved when we would take him out on a walk. But the thing about maverick because of his power and his strength and his energy my children could not walk maverick because he was so strong that his power would overpower them and lead them to places that they don't want to go to and so i would have to take them out on a walk and i loved walking maverick and i had to have a tight grip on the leash you see if i would get on my phone and start looking at social media or send a text message or, or get on my emails and start writing an email, very easily his strength, his, his might, and, and, and the force that he has would lead me to like 168th Street, where there can be a car that can do something to him, or, or can lead me to someone's home, or can lead me to, to 90th Avenue. And so I had to have control of Maverick, because of his, his power would overpower me and lead me to places that I don't want to go to. Now, why do I share that story with you today? See, because I think that that is an image, how oftentimes we live our lives. And oftentimes we are filled with so many emotions that are negative and we are filled with all these feelings that are of discouragement and we are in a situation and those emotions, those feelings, those situations lead us to places that we don't wanna go to and they rob the joy that comes from God. They rob the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. But here's what I want to remind you today. I have some good news for you today, that the God that we serve, the God of the universe, the God that we read in the Bible, he does not want us to live a life that is led by our emotions, but rather he wants us to experience true everlasting joy and no matter what situation we go through in life how many of you believe that today come on and give Jesus a shout of praise no matter what you're facing no matter what you're dealing with you still can experience true joy great joy but I know what some of you may be thinking pastor Carlos I'm tracking with you and 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 I get you But how do I experience the joy of God? How do I live a life filled with joy? Well, we're gonna find out today as we go uh, through this passage in Luke chapter two. And so we love uh, to take notes here. Make sure that you take our listening guide and uh, your Christ Fellowship app. And this is the first point that I want you to write down today. See, the birth of Jesus was a message of joy. Look at the first thing that the angel says and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy that will be for all the people. Now, last week and Pastor Omar spoke about the peace of God, and today we're going to talk about the joy of God. If you missed it, make sure that you go into our website and you can watch the message there. But when you I'm gonna give you a little bit of context to set up our time today, but if you study the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they highlight the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. However, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke are the only Gospels that highlight the narrative of how Jesus was born. If you study the Gospel of Mark, Mark goes right into the ministry of Jesus, how John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ. If you study the Gospel of John, it really has a lot of emphasis on the incarnation of Christ, the theological aspect of the incarnation of Christ. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God from the beginning. And everything that was made was made by him and through him, and nothing was made without him. The Word represents Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've taught you many times that the existence of Jesus did not begin 2,000 years ago in a manger when Virgin Mary gave birth to him, but rather Jesus has always existed. We believe in the triune God and the incarnation of Christ. But the gospel of Luke that we're studying today, it is the most detailed narrative of the birth of Christ. And the interesting thing about the gospel of Luke, it gives us a prescription of how to live joy like no other of the gospels. In fact, I'm gonna give us some highlights of the word joy through the gospel of Luke. You see, in Luke chapter 1, and you're going to see the image behind me, it says, that, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice. Say with me, rejoice. rejoice. Rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. In other words, the angel of the Lord was telling Zachariah, listen, many are going to be happy and filled with joy. They're going to rejoice at the birth of John the Baptist, but it wasn't because they were rejoicing that John was being born. It was, it was more because Jesus Christ was coming after John, John, the Baptist was going to pave the way before Jesus comes to this world and does ministry. In other words, the joy of the Lord is so intense. It's so deep, it's so profound, that even through the birth of John the Baptist, people will experience joy. And the announcement, the first thing that the angel says to the shepherds, I have good news of great joy. Later on in Luke chapter 6, look what the passage says when people persecute you. It says, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spur your name as evil. On your account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. In other words, even when people mock your faith, even when people say, I can't believe you follow Jesus. I mean, that's a that's a fairy tale. That that's just just legend. Like I can't believe that you spend your Sunday at church. I, I can't believe you give to that organization or you are so committed. Even when people slander you and betray you and mock you, God says, have joy. Later on in Luke chapter 10, the disciples went out to do ministry and they casted out demons and they did amazing work for God and people were healed and and, and they came back and they gave God, they gave Jesus a report. And look at what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 Jesus tells them, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this but rather that, your spirits, that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't be so much filled with joy because of what you're doing for God, but rather be filled more with joy that you are in God. Because ministry, I'm not saying that there is no joy in doing ministry, but, but it's not about so much about what I can do for, for God, it's about that, that, that I have God. Don't rejoice so much in what you do for Christ, but rather rejoice that you are in Christ. And lastly, in the ascension, when Jesus Christ resurrects and he appears to his disciples and he ascends back into heaven, the Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 52, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with what? Great joy. So, what exactly is joy? Because the word joy is mentioned over 100 times in the Old Testament, and there are 15 different Hebrew words that are used to describe the word joy in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the word joy appears about 60 times, and there are eight different uh, Greek words that are used to describe the word joy. But what exactly is joy? Because we all want to experience joy. In fact, I want you to write this down for a moment. We were created to experience true joy not just momentary happiness. We were created to experience true joy, not just momentary happiness. See, every single one of us, whether you've been a believer for a long time or you just started following Christ, we were created to experience true joy. See, happiness is different than joy. Happiness comes from the word happen, happiness depends on what's happening. I get the bonus check that I so deserved, that I so worked hard, and it's the end of the year, and it's to the amount that I expected, or it's even greater than I was expecting, and now I'm happy because my bank account is full happiness. The Christmas party was a success. Everyone had a good time. We were all giddy. It was filled with with happiness and joy and a lot of cheer. And We had some good, yummy food, and we had some eggnog, non-alcoholic, of course, a little bit of wine. All good. I'm happy. I got the promotion, and I got the good news that things are going well with my sales, and so because of that, I'm being promoted, and I'm moving up within the company, a corporate ladder, and and I'm happy. See, happiness depends on what's happening, but what happens when you don't receive the bonus check? What happens when the Christmas party was a failure? It wasn't what you were expecting it to be. What happens when you don't get a promotion? What happens when you receive a negative medical report? Are you now still happy? Happiness depends on what's happening. Joy depends on what's happened. Yes. And you're probably thinking, what do you mean? What do you mean what's happened? Joy depends on what's happened. And here's what I want you to know. What's happened is that over 2,000 years ago, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God came down from his celestial throne, lived a perfect life, was born in a manger. He took all of your guilt. He took all of your shame. He took all of your sins. And once and for all, he nailed it in the cross. And because of that, when I look back at what happened 2,000 years ago, that because of Christmas, I can experience joy. no matter what is happening around me. It doesn't fluctuate depending on what's happening around me. See, happiness is more about an external feeling. Joy is about an internal faith. Happiness is about an external feeling. Joy is about an internal faith. And what happens is that our feelings oftentimes dictate our faith. We get pushed by our feelings. Just like Maverick, that, that you know, he was leading me to places that I didn't want him to lead me, and so our feelings take us take us to place that we don't want us to go. And, and the problem is when, when our feelings lead us, then they rob us from our joy. But it's not that our feelings need to lead us. Our faith is the one that needs to lead us, and then the feelings follow. When your faith leads you, then the feelings follow. Oh, I don't feel like praying today. I'm too tired. God never answers my prayers anyways. I have prayed to him so much. I'm not, I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like reading God's Word. I don't even know where to start. I don't, I don't understand the Bible. It's so difficult. It's so extensive. I, 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 just, I don't feel like reading God's Word. I don't feel like coming to church. The, the weather has been terrible. It's Miami Christmas. I don't feel like coming to the church. I, I've had a long week. I don't feel like serving my wife today and being a good husband. I've worked all day she'll be okay. I don't feel like leading a devotional to my children. They don't even listen to me. They're always joking around, and they, and when I pray with them, their eyes are always open, and they're always playing with each other and all this stuff. I don't feel like doing that. Feelings. Faith says, listen, I don't feel like praying today. And I am tired, and I am exhausted, and I had a long day, but faith says, you know what? Do do not be anxious about anything but in everything. With prayer and supplication, present your request to God, so I'm going to go to my God, and the peace of God which surpasses all of the understanding will guard my hearts and my minds, because I'm not going to be led by my feelings, I'm going to be led by my faith. I don't feel like reading God's Word today. Carlos, we've had enough today. I don't feel that way. But faith says his word is a lamp to my feet, and it is what guides me. It is what sustains me. It is what leads me. It is what directs me. And so you allow the faith to lead you, and the feelings come. I don't feel like serving my wife today. But the bible says in ephesians 5 husbands love your wives like christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and because it says that and my faith is stronger than my feelings i'm gonna serve my wife and trust me she's gonna be happy and there's gonna be more joy in your home and all the wives say amen praise jesus come on i'm preaching to somebody today the bible says in psalm 16 In God's presence, there's a fullness of joy. Joy doesn't come through a package. Joy comes through a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that today? I'm preaching to West Kendall. I'm preaching to Doral. I'm preaching to Cora Gables. I'm preaching to Redland. In God's presence, there's a fullness of joy. Not in my bank account. There's a fullness of joy. Now when my situation and my happenings are are amazing, there's fullness of joy. I don't feel like leading a devotional to my children today. I feel that way. But then I'm reminded, my faith reminds me, wait a minute. Deuteronomy 6 says, impress the teachings of God in their hearts and minds. And so I am led by my faith and not my feelings. And when I'm led by my faith, then feelings to take over, and the feelings follow along with your faith. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a praise. So you're led by your faith, and then feelings follow. But here's the problem. What causes us to lose joy, and I want you to understand this because it's so important. Sin causes us to lose our joy. Isaac Waltz, the writer of this hymn said, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare her room in heaven and nature sing." And Then later on, he says, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Three times he mentions the word curse or that statement curse. The truth of the matter is that we have a curse, every single one of us, whether you feel like you're really, really good, or you feel really, really bad. Every single one of us, we have this sin is total depravity. We are sinful people. We are born with sin. And we see the brokenness of sin. We live in a fallen world. We see the brokenness of sin through uh, racism, and hate, and anger, and jealousy, and slander, and betrayal, and all the different things that we have to deal with, physical illness. Everything, the foundation, the root issue is sin. And the writer of this, um, this hymn or Christmas Carol, Isaac Waltz, he was actually known as the godfather of hymns. He wrote about 750 different hymns, and some of them we sing today. Wondrous Cross is one of the ones that we sing and churches all around the world sing. And in 1719, when he pens these words and he puts them together, he composes it, 304 years before now, he didn't have a life of ease. He didn't have a life of convenience and trouble-free and, and perfection. His happenings were not the best. In fact, he was plagued with a physical illness that it took him from being a pastor in ministry. He, was un- he had to step down as a pastor because of the illness that he was suffering. He also, when he was younger, he proposed to the woman of his life and the love of his life. And When he went to propose to her, she said no. She didn't want to be with him, and then later on, he had a lot of issues within the church. People would, uh, like, they would slander his name, and then people outside as well. Yet the Lord led him to write 750 different hymns, and the Lord led him, even in the midst of that situation, to write the words "joy" to the world, because he understood that it wasn't about feelings, but rather about faith. Amen. And he understood the consequences and the effect the brokenness because of sin. And so sin causes us to lose our joy. And you might be thinking, Carlos, I'm tracking with you and, and I get you and, and I understand all that, but, but then how can, can I experience joy in a practical way? I know that I need to be led by my faith, but in a practical way, how can I experience this sustaining joy? Well, I'm going to give us three simple ways. That we can experience joy. And here's the first one that I want you to write down. Here's the first one Treasure, say with me, treasure. Treasure Treasure God's word over your reality. Look at what Luke chapter 2, verse 19 says. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word pondering. Because in the New Testament, the Greek, that word means to meditate. It means to continuously think of. It means to be uh, uh, just always focused on what just happened. Here's the thing about, about this situation, this narrative. Mary had just given birth to the Messiah, he had given birth to Jesus. And she didn't know how the story was gonna end. We know that Jesus would have a powerful ministry. That he would cast out demons, that he would heal people, that he would uh, um, resurrect people that had been dead, like Lazarus. We knew that Jesus would, would have a, a lot of following and that eventually he would die on the cross and resurrect. But she's living out the story real time. And think of her reality she's now a mother and she has to nurture and care for and feed, not just a baby—think of the burdens of being a mom or a father—not just a baby, but now she has to care for the Messiah, for the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor. And Her reality was not the easiest one, but the Bible says that she was not pondering on her reality, but instead on the promises of God. And she had, she knew that God had made a promise, and he was gonna fulfill that promise, even when it doesn't make sense. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1:20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. All the promises find their yes in God. You see. There are over 300 promises in the Bible for every believer. See, God does not operate on our equation, under our formula. God is God. He's sovereign and he's in control. And if he says he's going to do it, it's going to happen. Even if it doesn't seem like it makes sense, even when it's illogical, even when it's not under our formula or our equation. You know, about a week, um, a month ago, Shawnee and I, we went out on a walk, and we like to go walking as a family. And I said something, and she said, Yeah, babe, that's like girl math. How many of you have heard the term girl math? Make some noise if you have, make some noise at all of our campuses. I had never heard it before, and I'm like, what huh? What's girl math?" She's like, oh, this thing is you know, very viral on TikTok, and I'm like, explain to me more because I'm a numbers guy. I like math. So, tell me what girl math is. Oh, girl math is like when you tell your husband, babe, we just got $125 in the bank account, but the reason why you got $125 in the bank account is because you returned something that you bought a month ago or two weeks ago, so you really don't have $125 in the bank account We actually have less because what you purchased was more than what you returned because you purchased other items. Or for example, when you buy a perfume and you buy a baby, 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 I got a free perfume. What do you mean free? Well, it was buy one, get one free. No, you bought one. So you had to pay something. How much was it? $80. So really, you paid 40 and 40. That's how I see it. Not free. Oh, babe, look how much money I saved, and they put all the purses and all the clothes. I saved $250, now we have, we have 250 more dollars. No, we don't. How much did you spend? 350. Oh, that's how much less money we have in our bank account. All oh, this girl math. I rebuke girl math. Y- y'all ladies are awesome. Y'all ladies are awesome. But, But, stay with me. The other day, I'm on my phone, And I get bombarded on Black Friday with emails from different stores. And one of them was the Nike. And I need some new Air Force Ones or new Nikes. And so I go online and I don't know which one to choose. And I tell my wife, I'm gonna buy two and I'm gonna see which one looks better because it was online. And then I'll return the other one. So I buy the two. I ask my wife. I ask other people. I ended up choosing the less expensive one. And so I go to the store. I go to the Nike store in Dolphin Mall. And I returned the pair of shoes and they were $115. And so I walk out, I'm like, oh, I love. We have $115 now. This is amazing. Wait a minute, that's girl math. (laughs) This girl math isn't that bad. I was like thinking, okay, we have more money now. You see, it doesn't make sense. And I came to remind you today, no matter what situation you're in, and maybe you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, it doesn't make sense that I have served God for so long and I'm still in this situation. But I came to remind you today, if God promised it for your life, even when it doesn't make sense, it's gonna come through. It didn't make sense that God would choose Mary, a 15-year-old teenage girl, as the vehicle to give birth to the Messiah, to the wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. It didn't make sense, but God had a plan and He had a promise for her, and because He said it, it is going to come through. It it didn't make sense that the angel would make the announcements to shepherds. It was the lowest of the lowest. He doesn't do it to the Pharisees, the educated. He doesn't do it to the Sadducees. He doesn't make the announcements to the aristocrats, but it was, it was the shepherds. It didn't make sense, but God had a plan. And I came to remind you today, if God has made a promise, no matter if it doesn't make sense, it's going to come through. But feelings lead us. Feelings push us. Feelings rob our joy. Feelings destroy our families. Feelings destroy our home. Feelings. 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 It's faith. Tell the person next to you, faith over feelings. Tell the other person next to you, faith over feelings. You know how many times feelings have destroyed marriages? Carlos, I'm just not feeling it anymore. I don't know, Carlos. I, I, it's just you know, I'm not feeling it anymore. You know, I I, want, I need to leave her, cause I don't feel the that that butterfly in the stomach. You know, the tickle in my stomach. And the, I'm not elated anymore. I don't have the euphoria anymore. So I need to leave her, and I'm gonna go with her. Because she makes me happy and joyful, so I'm gonna leave her to go with her. And guess what happens? You leave her and you go with her, and then you're happy and joyful for a year or two years, but you realize that the previous her is better than the current her. Come on, let's be real. And you're like, oh gosh, I wanna leave her and go with another her. Because the first her wasn't a good her, the second one isn't a good her. You go with another her, and guess what? You're with her, and it's happy and it's good. This her is gonna work out. Awesome, trust me. She's the one, she's gonna work out. I tried twice, but the third one is a charm, you know? So you go with her, and it doesn't work out. The problem is not her, the problem is Hema. Yeah. The problem is you. And oftentimes, feelings will lead us to places we don't wanna be led. Amen. Mary wasn't led by her feelings. She was led by her faith. Amen. And so, are you going to treasure God's word over your reality? And here's the next point that I want you to write down today: Maximize the moment. Maximize the moment. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. Verse 12. I perceive that there is nothing better for them Than to be what? Joyful Joyful and do good as long as they live. There's a time for everything. Realize the beauty of the season that you're in. The problem is, oftentimes, we want to go to the next season of life. Oh, I'm struggling, and, and this is so hard. Uh, being single, and and the moment that I that I find the love of my life, and the oh, the moment that I'm able to do to do life with someone else, and the moment that I'm able to begin a family, then I'm gonna be joyful. And you're not enjoying the blessing that comes with being single, and you see singleness as a burden. And you get married and you pray for children, and God blesses us, bless us with the children. God, we, we want kids. Everyone is starting a family. You want kids. And then God blesses you with a child. And then you are exhausted and tired and frustrated. And God, can I give you back this child? I know I prayed for him or her. I promise you, I'll go to church all the time. I'll give to our uh, uh, for our children uh, Christmas offering. I'll give to that, and you're not enjoying the beauty of that moment. I had we took Christmas pictures as a family uh, just recently, and and you know I was looking at them with my wife, and I have a 10-year-old son, Noah, and I started looking at that picture with Noah, and I told my wife, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe." That time has gone by so fast because children will remind you, you're getting old. They'll remind you how fast time goes. And I looked at the picture with Noah and I was talking to Shawnee, and I'm like, babe, like, we actually missed the days where he was so young. It's just a little baby and wouldn't tell you anything, wouldn't tell you what to put on him, wouldn't complain about how the hair is done. But in that season when we were going through the thick of things, it was hard and it was exhausting, and oftentimes we miss the beauty of that moment. And then when we pass that moment, we we want to go back to the moment. You want to go back to the moment. But the problem is that, that the blessings of God become burdens. And what seemed like a blessing, I'm married and I'm I'm in a marriage and I found the love of my life and thank you that you've blessed me with this godly man or this godly woman. That blessing you don't enjoy because the burden of marriage and the challenges of marriages override the blessings of marriage. God, we prayed for a son. We prayed for a daughter. The blessing that comes from being a, da- a dad, a father, the blessing that comes from being a mom, the blessing that comes from motherhood, I know it's challenging. I know it's exhausting. I'm not trying to diminish or demiss- be dismissive of the challenges of being a mom or a father. Burden. The blessing of, of getting old and age, you have wisdom and experience, Burden. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Every time I go to bed, every time I go to sleep, I wake up with so many different pains, and I'm always at the hospital. I'm always in the doctor's office, and I'm exhausted because I'm getting old in age, and I don't function like I used to function when I was a young person. Burden, burden, burden. What about the blessing of pouring into the younger men and women of the church or f- share your experiences and your wisdom? It's not a burden. It's a blessing. Every single season, see the blessing. Put away the burden. It's a blessing to be single. The apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, no matter your age, that the single man could be fully devoted to the things of God because the married woman and the married man has to serve their spouse, but there is a blessing and being single that I can fully devote to the things of God. How many of you believe that today? I am preaching to a young adult today. Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Oh, it's hard to be a dad. Oh, it's challenging. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, but thank God it's a blessing. To be able to disciple a son, to be able to disciple a daughter, to be able to invest in their hearts and their souls. It is a blessing. It's not a burden. Remove the word burden. Many of us, our middle name should be called Burden. Because we're always talking about the burdens. Mike Burden Garcia. Sorry if that's your name. Some here. Just thought about it now. Nicole Burden Smith. Oh, sorry, if anybody... It's an example, okay? I didn't write that down in the manuscript, so. It's burdened. Carlos burdened Cárdenas. Burdened, no. Carlos blessed Cárdenas. Because I serve a good and faithful God, and I'm gonna see the blessing is not a burden; it is a blessing. I am preaching to somebody today: Doral, Coral Gables, West Kendall, Downtown, Redland. I am preaching to somebody today. Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Maximize the moment, and here's the next point that I want you to write down today: focus on the hope of the second advent. The word advent, we toss it around a lot in the Christmas season. The word advent means the arrival. We celebrate advent season. We have the devotional that our student ministry did a phenomenal job with putting them together. And it is expecting the arrival of Christ. There's an expectation that Jesus was born in a manger. The interesting thing about this carol It actually wasn't meant to be a Christmas carol. When Isaac Waltz composed this carol in 1719, 304 years ago, he was actually more describing the advent of the second coming, when Jesus Christ would come down and make all things new. And This time he's not going to come down as a baby in a manger, but he's going to come down in his white horse as a ruling king, faithful and true. In fact, we sing this song during the Christmas season, Joy to the World, but it was meant to be sung as a hymn throughout the year. See, the Bible says in Romans 8:18, 8, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In the Old Testament, there are about 1,800 references of the second coming of Christ. In the New Testament, there are about 300 references of the coming of Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds us, I consider, in other words, I am focused that what I'm going through now cannot compare to the glory that will be revealed to each and every one of us children of God. And Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And this is our final destiny. If you're a child of God, People talk about destiny all the time. Oh, your destiny is that you get that home or you, you achieve those goals and those dreams. And people say that all the time. And listen, I, I'm not against achieving your goals and your dreams and having aspirations and being ambitious. I, I'm not against that. But, but ultimately, your, your final destiny is this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away some of the tears, few of the tears, every single one of the tears that you shed in this earth, from their eyes. He's not gonna delegate that to an angel. He's not gonna tell Gabriel, hey, wash the tears from Carlos's face. No, he himself will do that. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. No more sickness, no more COVID, no more cancer, no more anxiety, no more depression. No more pride, no more slander, no more betrayal, no more jealousy, no more evil, no more racism, no more fighting, no more discouragement, no more stress. It is the perfect presence of God. So no matter what you're going through now, you can experience joy because you are looking at the hope of the second coming. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise at all of our campuses. It's the hope of the believer. It's the hope of every single one of us children, child of God. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes, everyone in this room, if you're watching us online, at all of our campuses, West Kendall, Doral, Core Gables, Redland. Maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming here for a long time. And as I preach this sermon, you are thinking, Carlos, I'm tracking with you, but I can't experience the joy of God because I don't have God. I've never given my life to Christ. I want to remind you today, my friend, that the Bible says in Romans 3, for we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we are imperfect people. However, we follow a perfect Savior. And today, eight days before Christmas Day, you can make the best decision of your life. You can give your life to Jesus Christ. With no one looking in this room, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I do want to pray for you. And I want to know who you are. And so as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, with no one looking in this room, would you just take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can. With no one looking in this room, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Salvation has come to you today. God bless you. God bless you. You can lift up your hand now. God bless you. I see you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Salvation has come to you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but rather the condition of your heart, and God wants your heart. He wants it all. You can repeat the same exact words that I say or pray something similar. Father God, I just come before you, and I recognize that I am a sinner and my sins separate me from you, God. And today I believe with all my heart that Jesus, you died, you were buried, but you rose from the grave for my sins. And so today I repent, I turn away from my old life and I run to you today. Be my Lord, be my savior, be my best friend, be my everything. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray, amen and amen. If you're excited for those who said that prayer, why don't we give it up to them?